COVID-19 delayed the teaching of this message for the Manila programs. However, a pandemic cannot stop God's truth from marching forward. John Carter brings us the incredible teaching of the man who wrote his own life story before he was born. From his studio in Los Angeles, California, here is John Carter. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Welcome today to The Carter Report. Today we're talking about the man who wrote his own life story before he was born. That's a bit amazing, isn't it? That a man could write the details of his life, not after, but before he was born. Was there such a person? Absolutely. Now listen to what I'm going to say. This is pretty important. Here in America, we read a great deal and hear a great deal about faith-based organizations in contrast to, to scientific organizations. They say you belong to a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you belong to a faith-based organization. And people think that faith is not based upon truth, but it's based upon what you want it to be. Now, with many people... That's true, but it's not what Jesus taught. Jesus, our Lord, said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Faith, my friend, is simply another word for belief. But there's no efficacy in faith unless it is based upon the truth unless it is based upon the great facts of history. Now today, we're not just talking about an airy-fairy faith. We are talking about the great facts of history. Now, I've got a statement here that I like very much. I put it up now and then because it's, it sort of fits in with the theme of my talk today and other talks. I've used this with my Russian friends and my communist friends many times. If genuine prophecy exists then the big issues of our times are solved. If a man could write his own life story before he was born, that would have to be a genuine prophecy. Don't you think, brother, sister? If genuine prophecy exists, that's the big question, and we're going to prove that it does today, not from faith, but from the facts of history. And what are the big issues of the age? Well... Most folks have got these big issues today. Uh, who am I? What, what am I? Uh, am I an animal? Am I a cosmic accident? Uh, am I a machine? Uh, where did I come from? Uh, why am I here? What, what is the purpose? Is there any meaning in life? What is the purpose of existence? And of course, where are you going? Now, if genuine prophecy exists, then the main issues of life and the main issues of our age are met. Because if there's genuine prophecy, I can know who I am, why I am here, where I came from, and where I am going. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He didn't say, you're going to know about faith, and that, faith's going, that belief is going to make you free. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. You'll know the facts. You'll have the evidence and the truth will make you free. 
Now, this is a continuation of the talk I started a little while ago on the man who wrote his own life story before he was born. And the great premise of this talk is this, that Jesus existed before he was born. And through the Old Testament prophets, he predicted the great events of his life. Did you hear this? Through the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, he predicted the great events of his life. And now we're going to come to prophecy number five because we dealt with one, two, three, four in the first part of the talk. It was predicted in the Old Testament, it was predicted by the Spirit of Christ that the Messiah would be, here it is, amazing predictions, number five, he would be betrayed by a friend. And there is a text. I'm going to turn in the, in the Bible to a text that is about 3,000 years old. How old did I say 3,000 years old? And I'm going to come to Psalm 41 and uh, let me see verse, verse 9. Here it is. Here is the messianic prophecy. Psalm 41 verse 9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. It was predicted a thousand years before Christ was born that his confidant, his familiar friend, the person that he shared so many aspects of his life, the person with whom he broke bread, this person would betray him. History tells me that Jesus had a special friend. They trusted him so much, they made him the treasurer of the organization. He was in charge of the money. And his name was, and has today, a note of infamy about it. His name was Judas Iscariot. And the Bible tells me the New Testament, which is an independent book to the Old Testament, the record of the New Testament says that this special friend of Jesus went and betrayed his Lord. The prophecy came to pass in the act of treachery by the disciple of Christ, whose name was Judas. The prophecy was fulfilled. Look at prophecy number six, because it's very similar to this. Prophecy number six. The prophecy given long before Christ was born. Prophecy number six. He would be sold for not 20 pieces, but for 30 pieces of silver. And I'm going to show you the prophecy. We're going to go to the prophecies out of the Old Testament. And it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ was born. It is the prophecy found in Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 13. Would you kindly look at this text and think about it, brother, sister? And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter. The princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. What an amazing, amazing text. What happened? Well, Judas went along to the Jewish priests and they were hungry for the blood of Christ because he was a, a national threat to their security. And he said, I, I, I'm, I want to do a deal with you. 
I'm, I'm prepared to sell this man to you. And what will you give me? And they said, what about 30 pieces? Judas said, done. And then later on when Christ was captured and when he was being tortured, Judas became filled with remorse. And Judas took the 30 pieces of silver and he ran into the temple and he flung down the 30 pieces of silver. As was predicted by the ancient prophet. Amazing. Here is evidence that there is a God. The prophecy came to pass. And the priest said, what are we going to do with this money? Because we can't put this into the treasury because this is, this is blood money. And somebody said, we know what we'll do. We'll buy that potter's field with it and we'll use it as a burial place for strangers. You couldn't make this stuff up, my friend. You couldn't make it up. Every word of the prophecy came to pass. Here is proof. Here is absolute evidence that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that he is the savior of the world. Every word of the ancient prediction came to pass. Prophecy number seven, the most amazing prophecy, I think, in the Bible, given about a thousand years before Christ was born in Bethlehem. And the prophecy says that the Messiah would be crucified. Can you believe this? It was predicted that the Messiah would be crucified and in those days, prophecy was unknown. They didn't crucify people back there a thousand BC. Now let me show you the text. Text is found in Psalm 22 and verse 16. And these words were written, now don't forget this please. These words were written a thousand years before Christ was born, but Christ inspired this prophecy. He's a man who wrote his own life story before he was born. Notice it. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I say to the skeptic, what are you going to do with that? When these words were written, crucifixion was unknown. But the Bible says that they would get the Messiah and they would pierce his hands and his feet. This is an amazingly apt description of the barbaric practice of crucifying a person. It was predicted that the Jewish leaders would betray Christ, that they would pass him over to the Gentiles, and that he would be crucified. If I had nothing else but that text, and the history of Christ, I would be forced to believe there's a God in heaven and that the Bible is true and that Jesus is the Messiah. And let me tell you just a little bit of personal history. Many years ago when I was a boy and my hair wasn't this color <laughs> or this long, I studied under the great German archaeologist, Dr. Siegfried Horn one of the greatest archaeologists in the history of, of archaeology, uh, an absolute scholar, and in his own way a great scientist because he was interested not just in talking airy-fairy nonsense, he was interested in the facts. I'm interested in the facts, my friend, 
and we don't have alternative facts. You can't say, I've got my facts and you've got your facts. No, no, no. You can have your opinion. It may be right, it may be wrong, but you can't have your facts. There's only one set of facts. And that's why Jesus said, you will know the truth. You'll know the facts. And the facts will set you free. That is why I believe in a faith that is based upon not just uh, what I want to believe, uh, not make-believe religion. I want a faith that is based upon the facts of history. Now, here's a statement from my great old teacher, Dr. Siegfried Horn, the great German archaeologist. Crucifixion. Crucifixion as a mode of execution was inflicted throughout the Roman Empire on the lowest classes of people, slaves who considered chattels anyway, common criminals and unruly foreign subjects. It was considered an effective deterrent for which reason crucifixions were usually carried out in public squares in order that the greatest number of people could witness them and be scared to death. The victims were usually first flogged in such a cruel way that some were half dead when the actual crucifixion began. They were nailed to the crosses stark naked and the legs were bent sideways as shown by the skeleton of a crucified man that was found in a tomb near Jerusalem in 1968. Now, remember, this is from Dr. Siegfried Horn. Often the rough and heartless legionnaires even drove a big nail through the private parts of the victims. As Seneca tells us, affixed to the cross for hours, yes, sometimes for days. Before they died, they could not care for their bodily needs and were the objects of mockery and indignities from passers-by. Crucifixion in the Roman world was the most shameful and the most dishonorable death any person could experience. Now let this sink down into your minds and in the name of God, think about it. Christ, through the Old Testament prophets, predicted the details of his life and his death. He predicted in the book of Psalms that his hands would be pierced and his feet would be pierced. It was predicted a thousand years before it happened that the Messiah would be crucified. Horror of horrors, because who was this man hanging on the cross? That is the question you've got to think of. Do you have the courage to think about it? I ask you, my friend, do you have the courage? Shall we think about the identity of this man who is being crucified? The Bible tells me that he was the Messiah who had, uh, wait for it, he had created the universe. So I can't believe this. Well, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't alter the truth. You can't have your facts and I have a different set of facts. We need to have the facts and the facts as proven by Bible prophecy tell us that this man who was nailed to the cross was more than just a human being. 
The Bible says that he was the one who created the universe out of nothing. He is the great I am, the Lord God Almighty, the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. And he was hung to a cross. Incomprehensible. Why was he hung on a cross? He was hung on the cross, my friend, because he was bearing the sin of the world. As I would say to the communists and the atheists by the hundreds of the thousands in the former Soviet Union, behold your God. What a, what a God he is. How much he loves you. How much he loves you. Amazing predictions. Here we go. Number eight. It was predicted that the Messiah would become the substitute for the sins of the human race. And this was predicted in the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah. And I'm going to turn to this prophet. Uh, there's no, no writing quite like the writings of, of Isaiah. They're absolutely splendid and magnificent. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 and 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible teaches that the sin of the human race would be laid upon Christ, your sin and mine. How much does he love you? With his own blood, with his own suffering, with his own pain. What is God like? God is like this man hanging on the cross because Christ was the revelation of God. Over in London, many, many years ago, 18th century, I think, or the 19th century, they had a sludge vessel. They would take all the sewerage of that great, magnificent city of London and every day they'd bring the sewerage and they'd put it on this boat. Pretty filthy. The sludge of London. And the boat would go out into the British Channel or the North Sea and there it would drop its cargo down into the, the blackness of the, of the ocean. Taken away. Now the Bible tells me that on the cross, the sludge of the world was placed upon Christ. Your sin and mine. Our problem is we have no comprehension, no understanding of the depths of human depravity. But Christ did because Christ had, he was sinless and innocent and yet the sin of the world was laid upon Christ. So what is this God like? Infinitely better than you can believe or comprehend or realize. And he loves you. Christ is the man who wrote his own life story before he was born. Therefore, believe in him. Prophecy number nine. Here we come. Prediction number nine. It was predicted not one of his bones would be broken. Amazing. Here is the text. I want to show it to you. I'm going to put it here. Prediction. Psalm 34, 20, he guards all his bones. 
Not one of them is broken. It is predicted that not one of the bones of Christ would be broken. But late in the day on the Friday, the Romans came to break the legs of the criminals crucified on either side of Christ. And they came and they broke their legs. But when they came to Christ, they discovered he was dead already. So they got a sword and pierced his side. Blood and water came out. But they didn't break his bones because it is written that none of his bones would be broken. Here is undeniable evidence that Christ is the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, your Saviour. And here is undeniable evidence that there's a God, he made you and he loves you. Therefore believe in this God who believes in you and do it today. It was predicted, prophecy number 10, that he would be raised from the dead. Prophecy number 10, his resurrection. And here is the ancient prophecy. Psalm 16, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 16, 10 and 11. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So it is predicted that his body would not see decay and that he would not be left in the grave. Listen very carefully. The Romans seal the tomb. They're going to keep him in there. <laughs> They're going to keep him in there? Who are you kidding? So they seal up the tomb. But on the Sunday morning, a mighty angel comes down from heaven and just throws away the stone. And Jesus, the Son of God, the human divine son of God walks out of the tomb and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. So much for the Roman soldiers. So much for the Jewish high priests. Death could not keep him in the tomb. He's the man who wrote his own life story before he was born. In the Old Testament, the spirit of Christ inspired the prophets and they wrote down all these prophecies. I've shown 10 of these prophecies to you. I could have shown 100 prophecies to you. And these prophecies are undeniable evidence that the Bible is true, that there is a God in heaven. Are you listening to me? There's a God in heaven and that Jesus is the Messiah. There was a great battle many years ago between the French and the English. Wellington and Napoleon. Well, at the end of the day, the British defeated the French. Now, they had to send a message back to England because England was waiting. What's, what's happened? And so they sent out this message, spelled it out, Wellington uh, defeated, uh, and then the fog came down. And the British in Great Britain were in despair. Wellington defeated, but then the fog lifted 
And the message went out, Wellington defeated Napoleon. Made a big difference. On the Friday when Jesus died, I imagine a message went out around the universe. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus defeated. But on the Sunday morning, Christ walked out of the tomb. It's a fact. And the message was flashed from universe to universe. Jesus defeated uh, Satan and death. So I want you to know this. He's alive. He's well. He's all powerful. And the Bible tells me he's coming back in power and great glory. Though this world that most people don't believe in him, but they can't get rid of him. He is alive. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And he's coming back in power and great glory for judgment. Is a judgment day? Yes, there is. Is there salvation for God's people? Absolutely. He's coming back to raise the dead and to capture, to lift up his people. He's going to lift them up. He's going to take the ransoms, the, the captives from the graves and he's going to take the living saints and they're going to be taken home to glory. Is that good news? It's great news in this world. It's got so many problems. Jesus said, I will come again. Christ, Christ is the man who wrote his own life story before he was born because he inspired the prophets of the Old Testament. He is the Son of God. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is your Savior. He is my Savior. And he loves you. I ask you today, Believe in him. Believe in Jesus. Do it now by the act of faith. Believe in the God who believes in you. The Carter Report is now streaming on demand for you. Now you can have the teachings of John Carter anytime, day or night. By streaming the Carter Report, there is more content for you to choose from. And it's easy. If you are new to streaming, all you need to do is purchase a streaming device. It doesn't really matter which one. You can buy a Roku, Amazon Fire, or Apple TV from any major retailer. You or a family member can plug the device into your TV and sign in to your internet connection. Do a search for the Carter Report and download the app to your device. From then on, your device and the Carter Report app can provide you with hundreds of on-demand programs. You can also take the Carter Report with you wherever you go. The official free Carter Report mobile app can be downloaded to your phone or tablet. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the app. Additionally, you can find Carter Report programs on your favorite podcast. You can also watch us on Vimeo or YouTube. Type the Carter Report in the search box. You can watch hundreds of uninterrupted John Carter teachings whenever you want, for as many hours as you want. 
travel with John Carter as he circles the globe to bring the gospel to millions of people. Watch the Carter Classics from over 50 years of ministry and gain knowledge from stimulating interviews with Christian leaders. You now have multiple ways to watch the Carter Report. And once you start streaming, you'll find comfort in having these teachings readily available to you whenever and wherever you want for free. Welcome to the inspirational world of John Carter. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.